1: Welcome back to Everyone Tots to Liz. How are you guys? I hope you enjoyed your long Labor Day weekend. A big Happy New Year to everybody celebrating Rosh Hashanah. Of course, that would be me. Um, Happy New Year. (laughs) The Jewish New Year, where we are really not starting off on a good foot when I say we, the collective claim and we, because... I, you know, you're worried about everybody and you're worried about COVID breakthrough and all of that Michigas, which means craziness. But let's just try hard to look forward. Like You know, the summer flew by way too quickly. It's somehow September already. And, you know, the early morning wake-ups and the slightly chillier walks, or if you're in LA, drives because everybody only drives to work, right? That's back. So this week, I wanted to Give you a big caffeine kick with our inspirational, aspirational stories here on Everyone Talks to Liz. My morning pick me up. So I have an espresso machine and I'll do, you know, a little whipped oat milk kind of thing, a latte with a Truvia thrown in. And, you know, it always changes, but I do sometimes add a little cinnamon. Not that you guys care, but it does kind of make you feel like you're having a barista whip everything up. It's the only thing that gets me out of bed and moving and, you know, starting my day, right? So while you're drinking your coffee or tea on your way to work or on your way from your bed to the desk in your bedroom wherever, you got to hear this morning's pick me up. Michael McFall, the co-founder and co-CEO. And you may not have heard of this because it's kind of regional in the Midwest, but Big Big Coffee, he started as a barista at a local Michigan coffee shop. Now, he needed the extra money because he was working toward a PhD at the university. But a funny thing happened on the way to getting his degree. He climbed up the hill of coffee beans or the proverbial ladder became the shop manager where he was the barista and wait till you hear how he built that into a massive coffee chain that has made him now wealthy enough today to be in a position where he can now buy a professional hockey team because that is his goal. He hasn't gotten there yet, but this guy can do it tomorrow if he needs to. You've got to listen to his story. The barista businessman himself, Mike McFall. Welcome to Everyone Talks to
2: Liz. Liz, thank you. That was amazing.
1: (laughs) I I am amazing. Finally, can you tell my kids that?
2: Uh, A podcast that opens with with a dramatic story. I love it. (laughs)
1: My mom was a theater actress. So, you know, I do have a little bit of flair for the over dramatization. Um, first of all, we're thrilled because I love these types of journeys to unfold before our listeners because this is what it takes to found, run, and, and succeed at a business, right? I mean, and, and I got to start with this because I'm interested. I, I usually have one and a half cups a day. How many cups a day does a guy like you who runs a huge coffee chain drink?
2: Well, I drink, I, I the math is between 14 and 16 uh, shots of espresso a day. What? 14? You look surprised.
1: <laughs> How are you not shaking like a leaf right now, or are you?
2: No, I'm not. I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's something that I, I, I drink uh, what are called uh, quad Americanos, which has, they have four ounces of espresso in each of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have anywhere from, from three to four a day. Usually I have two before I leave the house and then I go from there. Okay. All right. So you're an addict. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm accepting of that. Okay. Uh, I want to I really get
1: to what I said, the beginning, the percolating story of all of this. Can we go back to the nineties? Where were you and what were you doing?
2: Well, you know, I think, um, I started as a barista, as you mentioned, and I was, uh, on a research, very specific research project at Michigan state university. And so I, I, my mom is a professor there. And, uh, so I had, uh, I don't know, I'm going to keep rewinding. At my grandmother's funeral uh, in October, I was with a colleague of my mom's. He had a very specific project he was working on. He invited me to come and work on that with him, with the idea being that I would uh, be able to essentially handpick graduate school at that point uh, with his, his endorsement and the work I would be doing with him. And so that was only 20 hours a week. So I went around to every coffee shop in the greater Lansing area and applied. I just thought it would be cool to work in a coffee shop. That was it. And so fortunately, I was hired at, we had one store at the time, uh, and I was hired by a woman by the name of Mary Roselle, uh, who was uh, my business partner's wife. And they, they built that store together, the first store. And so uh, she hired me, and I worked 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. at the coffee shop, mm. and then I would walk over to the university, and I worked 2.30 to 6.30 on the research project, and then I would uh, drive home. Okay, so, specifically, what year was this? That would have been November of 1996.
1: Okay. All right. So I'm thinking in 1996, I was in Boston. Uh, Yes, Starbucks existed, but uh, there weren't many others. And so I'm guessing you were one of these sort of Arabica, you know, sort of funky coffee houses, right? Just one.
2: We weren't. (laughs) I, we weren't. We really have never been that sort of pretentious coffee environment. Uh, you know, we, we, you mentioned, um, you know, the Firefly Latte, which I'm ashamed to say. I don't even know what the ingredients of that are. But
1: okay, I'll tell
2: uh, you we have thousands of, of these. And so um, but we we've always named our drinks. We like to say uh, like our caramel latte, for example, Starbucks names that a caramel macchiato right? Mm-hmm. Which is a very pretentious way to say that. Drink. Oh. And so what we, what we call it is a caramel marvel. And to us, it's like a superhero flying through the sky. We have grizzly bears. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the chocolate covered Irishman, we have the firefly, we have purple haze. And so we never were that affected Italianized uh, version of the coffee bar. We've always been our, we've always been our own. We've always done our own thing from a branding perspective. And we think that makes us infinitely more approachable.
1: Okay, Mike. So you are a barista. Did, did you even call yourself a barista at that point? Yes. Okay. You're a barista. You're using at least that fancy name. And you're getting up very early to go every day and make coffee drinks. Were you exhausted at the time? Minimum wage. What did you like about it? What kept you coming
2: back? Well, I didn't know it at the time uh, or beforehand, but I was... I'm very much into hospitality, and so, you know, if you were if you were to join me for dinner at my house, I would be, um, I would make sure that it was going to be a very pleasant experience for you. I would take care of your every need. We would, we would have an engaging conversation. It would be a nice. It would be a nice event. That would be. Very, and so, so when when I was in the business and when I was working as a barista, I got to do that all day every day. Mm. And I love that part of it. I love making friends. I loved engaging people. I love surprising people with just sort of crazy nuanced. (laughs) So a quick story. Uh, There was a guy that came into our store uh, every day and he would buy these gigantic caramel marvels with six, eight shots of espresso on them. They were insane. And he was a landscape architect and he always complained about maintaining his truck, right? Always. That was his thing. He was always complaining. So, so what I did was I, uh, when he was in complaining about having to get the oil changed in his truck or something, I wrote 90 days out on the calendar. I wrote Bill Martin uh, oil change truck. I couldn't wait for that day. Cause when he walked in, I was going to hit him with the fact that it would have been 90 days since he got his oil changed. He get his oil changed. And I mean, just to blow his mind that I knew <laughs> it would have been 90 days. <laughs> so I just love that part of the business. And I loved showing up to work. I did. I love going in there. I love making coffee. I loved putting smiles on people's faces. That, fundamentally was what why I'm in the business today.
1: That's a big leap to go from that to wait a minute, why don't I invest my future in Big B Coffee? How did you decide? What was that moment where it crystallized for you? Hold on, let's let's do something here. Let's grow this.
0: Well,
2: so well, point one, it didn't take a rocket scientist to see what was going on in specialty coffee at the time, <laughs> right? So, you know, it, uh, it, it, was, it was coming at us, uh, you know, like a freight train. Uh, the, the market was, you know, so ripe. And, and so, you know, it wasn't hard to see that. But secondly, and more importantly, I realized that my business partner was doing something very, very different in the coffee industry, much different than anybody else, and so, you know, he had a, a a restaurant background, high volume restaurant background. And we were running and we still run our coffee shops like they're high volume kitchens, not cute, quaint little espresso bars. <laughs> and so that, I, I definitely sensed one, an opportunity in the marketplace, but two, I also knew that we were doing something, something different and something better. And that still exists today. Uh, and, and, you know, but then also um, we ended up, so how how this went down was I was a barista. They were building a second store. I um, they approached me about becoming a manager uh, at the second store, and you know I I was I said yeah I, I'm I'm interested I guess, but I'm really on this other track. I'm headed back to graduate school, and and so um, I sat down with my partner uh, Bob, and um, in sort of an interview type style uh, because Mary I worked with Mary in the mornings. Bob came in at three in the afternoon, and so I never saw Bob ever. And I didn't know him at all. And so when we sat down uh, to have this interview, it was this beautiful spring day in March. And we ended up popping up and going for a walk. Well, four and a half hours later, uh, we were behind our store shaking hands and agreeing to put a company together, the two of us. Wow. and that's the company that we own today. Um, that's the company that uh, is, you know, ninety eight and a half percent of my net worth. <laughs> is that one company? And and so, you know, uh, we shook hands. Uh, and when we've been building it ever since, the next day I walked to the university, I resigned my position there, and uh, I'm in the coffee business now.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, so listen, I I love that because. Look, the PhD, Pilot Higher and Deeper, I came from a family which was education, 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 keep going, keep going. But as I learned with journalism, it's better to actually be at the plane crash than to learn how to cover a plane crash in a classroom. So I turned down graduate school in journalism uh, and I worked overnights delivering newspapers at, at my local station. So I get it. I get that gutsy move there. But After that first meeting, how do you then realize, wait, this is going to be a lot
2: harder than it looks? You know, I think you got to keep the grand, the grand scope in mind. And then you just have to commit to um, long-term and too many people just give up too early. I see it all the time with our franchise owners, you know, the franchise owners that aren't successful, who sell the store. It's like, I I just want to tell them it's just right around the corner, you know, like just stay in it a little bit longer. And, and, you know, so we've just been staying in it one day, every day doing it and doing the best we can every single day when we wake up and it's, it's working out.
1: Talk about the hard times when you were first starting, were there points where you thought, what have I done? What am I doing? Should I give up?
2: No, I don't think there's ever, I don't think there was ever a day that I thought I should give up. There were really hard times. Um, You know, we were put in default by our bank. Um, That was horrendous. Uh, And we had some really scary stuff happen. Um, But to me, and I I write about this in my book, it's a, it's the most glorious game in the world, you know, and, and I, and I approach it that way. You're in a game, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have problems. Things are going to go wrong, but, when you're committed to the end result of winning the game, you don't give up. <laughs> really? You just don't give up ever. And so that's the game I'm playing. And and uh, I won't ever give up. We're
1: not done yet. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services.
1: Bigby started doubling location numbers every year. At what point did you look at the landscape and say, wait a minute, we could become
2: huge. Well, last year, frankly. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I guess I've always known we're going to become huge. Um, but when did it become really apparent? You know, we signed 85 contracts last year. During so, the pandemic? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we're, we're two hundred two 250 units open, but we have 127 contracts to be open. And so, you know, that's an astronomic astronomical number. And so, right now, it's feeling like we are pacing to to grow very, very quickly.
1: You just referenced a really scary moment where you defaulted on a loan. Tell me about that moment. What led to it? And how did you deal with the bank and the fear of losing business, the business?
2: Well, first, we made a mistake. We were Doing what we thought was appropriate, which was, you know, sending in financial statements every month, uh, and we, but we'd also made a commitment to our business partner that we would absorb two of his stores into a group of stores that we owned. Okay. He owned fifty percent of our group, and we were going to absorb these two other stores. Well, I didn't go to the bank and tell him I was going to do that, and what happened was, is those stores were bleeding from a cash flow perspective. And when I brought them on board, we, we, our balance sheet went upside down immediately, like very, very quickly. And, you know, from a cash flow perspective, we were going to be able to see it through, you know, I, we, because we did. And so we were going to be able to see it through, but the problem was, is I didn't go to them. If I had gone to them and explained to them what I wanted to do, they would have told me I can't. <laughs> right. So maybe that's why I didn't go to them. but I so, <laughs> so, uh, but, but I took the uh, ratios uh, of our balance sheet outside of the covenants of that loan. You know, I didn't I didn't know exactly that then that that's what I was doing,, um, but I did that. And so they had every right in the world to default. they they should have defaulted. Um, they immediately took every dime of cash that we had, both personally and professionally. They raised our interest rate from seven percent to eleven and a half percent. Come on, almost doubling our payment. Um, And you know, it's just. But the thing is, is once you're put into default status, you get somebody who's assigned to you that you don't know. So you you leave the relationship that you have with with you know the bank, and now you're assigned. I think they at that time they were called workout specialists, and so you get assigned this workout specialist, and their job is to liquidate you and oh. get as much money as they possibly can in that process. And so, you know, we, the only thing that saved us is, is we had a relationship with another banker and he lent us the money and got us out of the, got us out of the spot, but it was horrible. And so, you know, I, I, I could go into more hair raising details around all of that, but, you know, I guess in that moment, I didn't think about giving up. It just hardened my resolve. It's it, all it did. We were, I mean, that it was like, we are going to get through this. It's pretty obvious
1: you've had a lot of sleepless nights over the years. Do you still have sleepless nights?
2: Absolutely. I, I you know, I, I keep building more and more complexity into my little world, you know, and um, if I, maybe if I could throw it neutral and coast, uh, it would get easier, but mm-hmm. I keep taking on more and more and it's great. I love it, you know, um, but I'm in a particular situation right now uh, that is pretty complicated and surprisingly um, Political, and so I was in a conversation with my mom this morning, telling her about it. And you know, she said, "She said Mike, you've been in this situation a hundred times. You just, you know, do what you do. Everything's going to work out okay." And you know, it, 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 but it never gets easier. And and that's that's it. Doesn't matter that I've got more security now, or you know, that we have more success. Uh, it doesn't get easier. Um, and and I don't really know what that's about. I think it's because if I, you know, it's because I care. If I didn't care, I probably wouldn't have, I would sleep fine, but I care deeply. And so when things, uh, when, when things are a struggle, um, it does weigh on me.
1: Passion obviously is so important to becoming a successful business leader like yourself. What would you say is the number one characteristic that anybody listening really needs to have if they are going to launch something
2: that they really feel. We've been waking up every single day trying to sell one more cup of coffee today than we did yesterday for 26 years. And, you know, the part of the problem that happens to entrepreneurs is that when things start, when things start to struggle, when you start to struggle, you, 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 divert your attention from maybe what the core product that you're bringing to the marketplace is. And you try to bolt on all these different things, these different levels of complexity. And that just makes the business harder. And if we could wake up the next day and sell one more latte, you know, when, when I got, when I started in the business as a barista, we were selling under 300 cups a day. And that was, um, I remember when we crossed 300 and, uh, and for the first time, and now we're, we'll sell somewhere in the range of about hundred thousand cups today. Right? Stop. So, Oh Isn't that cool? God, that is so cool. I know. I know. And, and so, but that's focus, right? We don't, we didn't, we haven't done anything else is what we do every day, all day. And so I think that that would be my, my answer. Don't, I had a guy call me one time. They'd, he and his buddy would open a pizza shop and he called me and he had too much space in this building and he said hey mike you know i think what i want to do is if i carved out like you know 1200 square feet in our building could we put a big b coffee in there and you know i really think that would help with our revenue and 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 you know we could be more profitable and so on and my answer was he's a good friend of mine but my answer was like that's a really dumb idea and there was this long pause and he's like, what do you mean? I, I mean, pizza I, I, and I, coffee? Yeah. well, but it, you know, you could have a sweet, you could have two sweets, one with pizza, one with coffee. They they would be independent of each other. But my point is that you had, you're in the pizza business and you haven't figured out how to sell pizzas. You're struggling. You can't sell pizzas. So you think figuring out, trying to figure out how to sell pizzas and then trying to figure out how to sell cups of coffee is going to save you. That's crazy. Either figure out how to sell pizzas or shut the thing down. <laughs> But see, that's focus, right? Focus Uh in on selling pizzas. And the
1: persistence piece of all of this. Never say die. Before we end this, I have a question for you. And I will end with explaining what the Firefly Latte is. And then I need to hear what the Purple Haze Latte is from you. But you do now have success. You've got some money here. Your dream expenditure What do you love that you think about? I really want to buy that.
2: Well, I just did it last week. Yeah, I did. I bought my parents a boat.
1: (gasps) Oh, yeah.
2: It's awesome. So it's we're sharing it. I mean, they're going to the deal is, is they've got to they've got to, you know, help maintain it use it they lived on their previous boat um and so they're going to live on this boat primarily you know and and um they got to help maintain it but then they also have to teach me how to use it (laughs) and so it's a you know there's an upside for me on this deal because i'm going to get to learn how to use this boat so it's cool it's a it's a boat that you know i can take my whole family on and and uh you know i'm really I'm, i'm super excited about it
1: you'll tool around lake michigan
2: well, we'll actually take it. We hope to take it back and forth to Florida every year. So we'll we'll leave uh, Michigan in the fall, take it to Florida. It's maybe a four to six week process, and we'll be have it in uh, Florida for the for the winter, and then we'll bring it back in the spring. And so that's that's the that's the plan. In fact, I'm leaving uh, Friday to go down for a week on the boat to start bringing it north uh, to uh, Lake Charlevoix.
1: Okay, you said you still don't relax to this day. I need you to relax on the boat because that—that's what you're supposed to do, at least at certain points during the very stressful world of growing this business. All right, finally, here we go. The Firefly Latte is cinnamon, vanilla, and white chocolate with 50 milligrams of caffeine. Yum! Now you're going to reveal what the Purple Haze Latte is.
2: The Purple Haze Latte is caramel and blackberry. It's delicious. Mm. It's as good as it sounds. How many grams of fat do I even want to know? Oh, it's probably in the range of 10.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. you gotta. I want to see big bees on every corner in New Jersey, at least, which is where I'm sitting at the moment. But um, listen, congratulations. And it is a work in progress. That's life. You've written a book about your journey and, and your process and your climb.
2: What's it called? My book my book is called Grind. It's a no BS approach to take your business from concept to cash flow.
1: Perfect. Okay, there you are everybody. If you didn't get to absorb all of this in the podcast cuz you're driving or you're distracted, there's the book, Grind by Mike McFall. And I hope that our listeners have really seen you start as a barista, minimum wage, and now you're growing this incredible company. Thank you so much, Mike, for sharing your story.
2: Thanks, Liz. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun.
1: Anytime. Mike McFaul of Big B. Hey, listen, everybody, Mike, like everybody else, doesn't want to just make money. They want to save it. They want to grow it. Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Business Network. It's called The Claim and Countdown. Hello. Watch me every day. You'll learn more about the stock market and maybe growing some of that money. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.